0: Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person. I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, But as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If any way that, that we can pray for you. If you want to contact us, that connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring in offering a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the word as we look at it together. <music> My name is John Silva. I'm an elder at uh, Big Valley Grace, and this is my wife, Shelly Silva. Uh, Currently we serve at Ceres Campus. We've been attending Big Valley Grace for, oh boy, it's been about 15 plus years. We wanted a place that we can take our kids and that we could put them into a environment that was really healthy. So we looked around for, for churches that were solid, biblical, and that just had a great uh, environment for kids. God is challenging me in this area of, of generosity, um, partly through my business. Sometimes you, you don't know what's gonna happen uh, with a business is running. You don't know, uh, you know some of the unforeseens, but yet we always, in the back of our mind, we know that God is first, and so we always put him first. What is amazing is, is a lot of times what'll happen is a, a check will come in unexpectedly, and, and we're like, wow, I didn't know that was coming, But then also another, maybe another bill came in at the same time where they, boy, that just matched up perfectly. God provided before we even knew what we needed to ask for. He already provided for us and for the business.
1: You can never outgive God. And any time that we have given and not knowing the outcome to where we're gonna get the rest of the money, um, it's always shown up and he's always
0: blessed us. Uh, I was thinking of, of Luke 6:38, where it says, you know, he, it'll give and it'll be given unto you, pressed down and shaken together. And we used to take the Slurpees that we used to get from 7-Eleven. I don't know if you ever did this or not, but you'd fill them up. And then my kids learned that if you bang them a few times on the counter, mm-hmm. it settles them down and you can add some more in there. And, and every time I think of that verse in, in uh, Luke, I think of the Slurpees where you can just pound them down and shake them and get more out of it. And I just, just a neat way of looking at it. Uh, So what really excites me is is many years ago, we attended, when we first started attending Big Guy Grace, we brought our kids and we put them into those portable buildings that are out there that that, uh, we're talking about replacing right now. Those portables have been there for an awful long time and we've been attending for a long time. And it's just, it's, it's gonna be neat to see that there's gonna be a brand new building that God is providing for the kids and for for future ministry they want to invest in the kids they want to invest in the future and that's what is what really makes my heart joyful
1: they disciple the kids and they are mentoring the kids and they are teaching them to go out into the world and lead others to the Lord and We really need that in this generation, and we really need to equip them to stand up to the world because it's a lot different nowadays than it was before.
0: You said you weren't gonna talk.
1: (laughs) It's great. Oh, it's very fun. I want you to know I'm watching. And if anybody gets up and leaves while I'm talking, I know you're heading for a slurping, Because once you start talking about Slurpees, it makes everyone want to have a Slurpee. And so I just want you to know, I got my eyes on you, all right? So good to be together. We're in week three of Built to Last, equipping faith that is built to last in a decaying culture. We've got bookmarks that are available. They're available out at the Information Center, the, right in the lobby. And we're encouraging our church family to be reading through the passages during the week that we're addressing on the weekend. And so we want to encourage you to grab a bookmark and be reading along with the church family, that you might spend some time in these texts on your own before we come together and spend time as a church family. During week one of this teaching series, we provided an outline really for the entire series. The first week We really challenged our church family. Let's be trusting the Lord regarding all of these subjects. And then we took the theme here, built to last, equipping faith that is built to last in a decaying culture, and we laid it out over the week. So last week, we looked at equipping. Today, we're going to be looking at faith. Lord willing, we'll be looking at what is ministry that lasts and ministry that doesn't last, and how can you tell the difference in week four? Uh, In week five, the decaying culture that we see all around us and how we see the Bible address how a culture decays. Week six, biblical stewardship and using our finances to honor the Lord. And then week seven, we're planning to celebrate God's provision. Now, I don't know what God's going to do in my life, in your life, in all of our lives combined, but I want to give God credit for whatever it is he's gonna do during this series. And so we're planning to give God credit on week seven to really celebrate how God is providing for our church family. There is a teaching companion. It's a part of the packets. It's a booklet. And it's available for you to use in conversation. The purpose of this tool is so that you can have dialogue with you, your household, your friends, your family groups that you're meeting with, That you can talk about how this project really is a part of the vision for our church and how it is all working together towards the goal. So, we would encourage you to utilize that. So, we are in week three of the series. Today, we're going to focus on faith. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll begin in verse 1. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now faith. "...is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation." So this, is, this verse is helpful for us because it provides a definition for a biblical word. And the word is faith. Faith is, and here we have the definition, "...the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, and the it here is faith." For by faith, the people of old received their commendation. And when it talks about the people of old, it's referring to the left-hand side of your Bible. It's, It's referring to the Old Testament, those who have walked in faith. In fact, the passage, as we'll get to it, you'll see a number of people listed that it's referring to as the people of old. But it says that by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. And as I began to think about for our church family, the the, the issue of faith and the way it's defined here and the way that this text is explaining, the question that I began to ask is how can we be like the people of old that we might receive a commendation for our faith in Jesus Christ? And it might be that today you're struggling in your faith. Maybe there's been a lot of opposition that you have been facing, and you need strengthening. And today is an opportunity for us to encourage one another in our faith in Jesus Christ. So as we think about how can we be like the people of old who received commendation for their faith, I want to share with you three ways. Three ways that we can be a church that is commended for our faith, three ways we can be a church that is commended for our faith. And I would encourage you that the story of our church is still being written. The story of Big Valley Grace Community Church is not done being written. God's active right now in our church and the story of our church is being actively written. And we wanna encourage you to engage. Engage in being a part of the story that God is writing. So way number one, and we looked at this theme in week one of trusting the Lord, and we can fully seek the Lord together as a church. So how can we as a church be commended as a church for our faith? Well, we got to start by fully seeking the Lord together as a church. You know, what our culture likes to do is our culture likes to redefine words, to take words that belong to God that have a biblical meaning and redefine them. And so we've got to start with what is a biblical understanding of the word faith. So we come back to Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2 again. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. Some form of the word faith is used around 450 times in our Bible. I think God wants us to understand the concept of faith. In our Bibles, in the Old Testament, when it's talking about the people of old, in the Old Testament, there is a tension. And the tension is between fear in relationship to God and trust in, in relationship to God. About 150 times fear is used in relationship to God and about 150 times trust is used in relationship to God. So there's a pretty healthy balance there of those two words that create a tension to help us understand what was the perspective of faith in the people of old. An example of this is in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. It says, "'Know therefore that the Lord your God is one, "'the faithful God.'" Who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him, he will repay him to his face. It's healthy to fear God's power. And we fear God's power. But it's also healthy to trust God's love. And we trust God's love. And this passage explains both of those things working together. In the Old Testament, fear of a holy God and trust in a holy God are working together to help us understand faith in God. Our men's ministry is going through a series right now called Holy Fear. It has been excellent. My 16-year-old son and I, on Tuesday mornings, we sit at a table that's right here. And it has been really great. The purpose of this series is focusing on readjusting how we see God and how we relate to him, and in turn, having it change how we relate with the world. We've looked at characters like Noah, Job, Moses, Joshua, And in the Old Testament, what we find is faith is man's reaction to God's primary action. An example of this is in Exodus chapter 14, 31. It says, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used. So so man, Israel, is seeing God act. And the act that Israel, man, sees is this great power that the Lord used. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. So God acts and we react to how God has acted and fear and belief, they come together in this concept of faith. Now, the opposite of fear and belief coming together in the concept of faith, the opposite of that would be to have a divided heart, a divided heart where we don't fear God and we're irreverent, a divided heart where we're not believing in God and we are unfaithful. And so the opposite of faith, fear and trust coming together would be being irreverent and being unfaithful. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, it helps us understand this. How much of me does God actually want? How much of my person is God looking to have? In Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might. This command is a command of a whole person faith. Whole person being submitted to God. Not a divided heart. And God really rewards those who seek him with their whole self. We have an example of this in the biblical character of Caleb. Listen to what the Bible describes about Caleb and his faith. In Numbers 14, 24, it says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land in which he went and his descendants shall possess it. What an incredible verse to be written about someone who's named by their first name. But my servant Caleb because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. I began to think, if God were to write a verse about me and name me in the verse, what would the verse say? For example, let's look at this, okay? We can fill in the blanks here together. My servant, blank, I'll put my name there. My servant, Joel, has followed me how? What would be the word God might use to fill in this blank if God were to write a verse about my life? It's kind of sobering to think about. What what if a verse, what if God wrote a verse about your life? What, how would these blanks be filled in? My servant, and then your name's right here, has followed me How? What would be the word that God would use? Well, I want to encourage us that it might be that we are recognizing there's an area in our life that we have held back from God, and today is an opportunity to acknowledge that, and today is an opportunity to give ourselves to the Lord fully, to give God the full you, so that it might say my servant, Joel, has followed me fully in faith. And that a sentence might be true about us. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, so I'm going to jump forward here a little bit. We're going, to, we're going to work our way through there, but I'll jump forward to verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So how can I please God? How can you please God? It's through faith. And so I want to encourage us. How can we be commended for our faith as a church? Well, we can be commended for our faith as we fully seek the Lord together. And when we come to a moment like this in our church where we're praying through these commitment cards, which my wife and I are doing, we've been praying about this for a long time. We've had a lot of conversations about it. And we believe the Lord is leading us to get really, we're pretty close to where the Lord, we believe, is going to give us an answer of what we should be making as a commitment. And my wife and I are really excited on March 4th and 5th to come together with our church family to turn in our commitment card along with all of our church family and making a commitment. But I want you to know this has been an opportunity to stretch our faith, and I believe it's an opportunity for you that your faith would be stretched. And I want to encourage you to allow your faith to be stretched with the Lord. So way number one, we can fully seek the Lord together as a church. Way number two is we can anchor our hope in Christ together as a church. We can anchor our hope in Christ together as a church. The biblical definition of faith that we find here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it includes the subject of hope. So we'll look at verses 1 and 2 again. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. We hope for what we do not see. And faith is the assurance and the conviction of things we hope for and do not yet see. So faith and hope are two different words. They don't mean the same thing. And the Bible uses them differently. We see them even used in a list in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. From this verse, we can find out that hope abides, hope remains, hope lasts. You know, our culture wants to redefine the word hope. Our culture wants the word hope to be very selfish, to be very self-centered, to be based only on emotion and desire. Well, the Bible warns us about that kind of hope. In Jeremiah 23, 16, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. So there were prophets who were not prophesying according to what God was telling them to do. They were speaking falsehood, and they were giving false hope. Let me share with you some examples recently that I've had vain hopes. I had the vain hope that a young Christian rookie quarterback was going to take my team to win the super bowl and my vain hopes were crushed i've had the vain hope my wife and i are learning how to bowl and i've had the vain hope i'm actually going to win a game and to bring accountability into my life god put one of my friends there to watch me lose every friday Some of you have had some vain hopes. And on New Year's Eve, you told your vain hopes to your friends when they asked you, what New Year's resolution are you making? And then the first week of January came, and the second week of January came, and now we're halfway through February. You can't even remember what your New Year's resolution was. Now, the Bible talks about how serious uh, it is that hope can't be empty, Hope cannot be empty, it cannot be vain. Hope has to be real. Hope needs filling, it can't be empty. For example, in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. If Christ would have made empty promises, then faith in Christ would be empty, it would be futile, it would be a vain hope. But Christ has been raised, Jesus Christ has been raised. We serve a resurrected, living Lord Jesus Christ. And so in Romans 5.5, 5, it says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so a biblical hope is gonna be anchored in the sure thing of Jesus Christ, a biblical hope. Is a future desire whose outcome is certain because it's based on Jesus. And it might be that today you need to reevaluate what you are using as an anchor in your life. Maybe you're not using hope in Christ as your anchor and you need to make the switch. In Hebrews chapter 6, 19 and 20, it says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus, Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Christ is the anchor for our hope. So how can we be a church that's commended for our faith? Well, we can be a church that's commended for our faith as we anchor our hope in Jesus Christ and in no one else and in nothing else. One of the cards that's in the packet is this blue card. And we're not asking you to turn this blue card in. The purpose of this blue card is a tool for you to have conversation. And my wife and I have been having a lot of conversation about the percentage of our giving that we're bringing as a gift to the Lord. And I want to share with you the motivation for why we're having this conversation. It's exactly what we're talking about here is because we want to worship Jesus because he is our hope. And Christ has given us hope. And because we have hope in Christ, we want to worship him and we want to honor him. And so as my wife and I bring regular gifts to the Lord, we do it as an act of worship because we are so grateful for the hope that Jesus Christ has given us. And we encourage you and invite you to give and worship in that same way, to honor Jesus because of how he has brought hope into your life. So way number two is we can anchor our hope in Christ together as a church. Way number three, we can follow faithful examples together as a church we can follow faithful examples together as a church and this is the heart behind the hundred person challenge we have given that there might be a hundred new christian men investing in young boys and christian women investing in young girls and here's why if we want a young boy to grow up to be a christian man that young boy needs to be able to see a christian man and follow the example of a christian man And if we want a young girl to grow up to be a Christian woman, that young girl needs to be able to look and see an example of a Christian woman so that that young girl can follow the example of a Christian woman. And so we brought the challenge. We want to see 100 new Christian men investing in young boys, Christian women investing in young girls. And I want to give you an update. The update is we're at 54, so we're over halfway there, 54 towards the 100, and the reason I give you the number 54 is because I'm wondering if you might be number 55, because we want to get to 100. Christian men, Christian women invested in young boys and young girls. So Hebrews 11, it's been affectionately called the hall of faith. It's not the hall of fame. It's not about basketball or football or baseball or hockey. It's about faith, And as believers, sometimes we refer to this as the hall of faith. So we're going to work our way through, and we're going to work our way through with however much time we have, and we'll look at each of the names as much as we have time for. But I want to encourage you to read your Bible. It's why we've given you the bookmark. It's why we're encouraging you to do the readings, read your Bible, and enjoy this chapter. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, by faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. If you believe that according to Genesis 1, that God created everything that is created by the power of his word and he created everything that is out of nothing, then you would be included in the we that this verse is saying. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Verse 4, by faith Abel, so Adam and Eve's son, by faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he, Abel, was commended as righteous. God commending him, Abel, by accepting his gifts. And th- through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. We, we learn something about two brothers here. We learn about Abel and Cain. And we learn that both of them brought an offering to God. But we learn that one of them had their offering accepted and one of them did not have their offering accepted. And the key to understanding why that is is these two words right here, by faith. Abel, by faith, brought his offering to God and apparently Cain did not. And Abel's offering by faith was accepted by God. And as we bring gifts to the Lord, I think the clear encouragement for us would be, let's give by faith. And let's give as an act of faith. Let's not just go through the motions, apparently with what Cain was doing, where he was not honoring the Lord in the way he brought a gift. Let's not bring a gift and not honor the Lord in it. The point of bringing a gift is to honor the Lord. Let's do it by faith. Verse 5, by faith Enoch... Some of you are wondering if there's a high school in town named after him, and I don't think that's the connection. I got you, brother. That's the neighborhood I live in. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. And before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So this is talking about a character, a biblical character, Enoch, who was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. And some of you are hoping that that might happen in your life, <laughs> that you might be taken up and God might take you and that you wouldn't have to go through the experience of death. Well, at least one person had this experience, and that person's name was Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Well, how how? How could he be how could he please God? Well, in verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we find out some really interesting information about Enoch. He doesn't die. He pleases the Lord. He had faith. Pretty incredible. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. God tells Noah there's going to be a flood. Now, if it had been about three weeks ago and the message came, there's going to be a flood, we might believe it because our roads were filled, the basins were filled, the canals were filled, the mountains were filled. There was water everywhere, right? And at that moment, we go, yeah, you know what? There's gonna be a worldwide flood. Okay, I could see that happen. It looks like we're making good progress there. That is not the setting Noah was in when God came to him to share with him there's gonna be a worldwide flood. In fact, as he begins to act on what God asked him to do, which is construct an ark, people thought he was nuts. People thought he was crazy. And the proof that people thought he was nuts and that they thought he was crazy is that they did not get into the ark. It's the proof that they thought Noah was crazy. What? Rain? A flood? What are you talking about? You're, you're crazy, man. Well, Noah, by faith, did what God asked him to do. Despite a culture thinking he's nuts. And he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, and a significant portion of this uh, chapter is actually about Abraham. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham was old in age at this point, and like by our standards, I mean, he lived a lot longer than our standards, right? By by our standards, he was old in age in this point. And God calls him, shows up, the first thing we find out about God showing up in his life is God tells him to go and to leave. As an older man, get up and go to a place that you don't know. To me, that's pretty big. I'm thinking about like if God, you know, came to my parents and said, hey, Get up and go, and you're going to head to a place that you don't know. And I'm thinking, wow, that, that would be kind of crazy, just to put it in perspective of my own family. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he, Abraham, went to live in the land of promise as, a, as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac, his son, and Jacob, one of his grandsons, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Abraham, in obedience, follows God into a new land, a foreign land, to find out about promises that God wants to make in his life. And he, he does it without seeing those things come to be. He does it by faith. He follows by faith, not by sight. He follows by faith, trusting God, that God is telling him the truth. It's really, to me, is very remarkable. By faith, Sarah, this is Abraham's wife, herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Past the age of what? Past the age of being able to conceive. By faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who faithful? Abraham faithful? No. God faithful. She considered God faithful, who had promised. God made a promise to her that she would have a son. And though she was past childbearing age, she trusted that God was going to come true on his promise. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. Okay, that's tough. That's tough to have that be the verse that describes somebody in the Bible. Like, if my verse was written, it'd be like, but my servant Joel, and he's as good as dead. Like, that would be tough if that's how God, you know, described me, but that's how, you know, this is about Abraham. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grain of sands by the seashore. God makes him a promise, he believes the promise, That God's gonna multiply him. And yet he doesn't see the endless multitudes of sand, and he doesn't see the endless multitude of stars, but he trusts that God will fulfill the promise that he made to him. These all died in faith. Who are these? Well, everybody that has just been listed. These all died in faith, except Enoch, He, he had a different story. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. For if they had been thinking of the land which, which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. It's pretty incredible. God has made promises... And they followed in faith, even though they didn't see the fulfillment of the promise that God had made fully. They saw pieces of it, but they didn't see the full fulfillment of the promises. And they followed by faith, trusting that God would bring about what he promised. I think I have time for one more here. By faith, Abraham, in verse 17, when he was tested... He offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Okay, let's let's unpack. What is this verse saying? It's saying this, God comes to Abraham and promises to him that he is going to have a son. A son of promise is how this son is referred to. A son of promise. Just like uh, Abraham was challenged and called by God to go into a land of promise. Well, he was called to go into a land of promise. Then God was going to give him a son of promise. And through the son of promise, there would be fulfillment of the promise that he would be blessed... And his family would multiply, and there would be many generations, and it would be like sands on the seashore and stars in the sky. And so God gives Abraham the son of promise. And then God asks for him back. Give him back to me. And Abraham trusts God so much, knowing He gave me this. He told me he was going to give me the son of promise. He gave me the son of promise. So God did what he said he was going to do. And now God's asking for the son of promise back. And Abraham shows he's willing to give the son of promise back. And what this passage is teaching us is that Abraham believed even if my son of promise dies, God could raise him from the dead because God is going to fulfill his promise. This is an incredible act of faith. To be promised you're going to receive a son, to receive the promised son, to have God ask for the promised son back, to have him freely, willingly offer the promised son back, and God did it to test him. And he believed, even if this child dies, God will raise him from the dead because God will fulfill his promise. This act, outside of the life of Christ, might be one of the largest acts of faith We can observe in Scripture to go, that's what it looks like to fully trust the Lord. That you'd be willing to give the Son of Promise and trust the Son of Promise back to the one who promised. I want to encourage you to read your Bible, keep reading. These texts are full of examples that we can look at real people in real situations that we can look at and go, this is what it looks like to have faith. That our hope might not be anchored in circumstances and events in this world, but that our hope would be surely anchored to Christ and him alone. Together, we have opportunity to grow in our faith, that we might be a church that is commended for our faith because we're fully trusting in him, we're anchored to Christ, and we're following after the examples that God gave us. God gave us these examples. We're following after these examples that we might have a full faith in Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for us. And then we're going to have opportunity to sing together. Father God, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Wow, we need it. We need your word. And I'm so thankful we have it. Thank you for the opportunity to come together. Lord, that our our faith might be strengthened together as your word impacts us and draws us to you. And so, Lord, help us to live lives that honor you. We want to worship you. We want to honor you. We want to have faith in you. We want to believe you. We want to believe you. We want to believe your word and trust you in your promises. So help us to do that. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said.